You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. going on guys welcome to another episode of peer pleasure with dewey halpas i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week this week we have a good friend of mine amy Ciaretto from adam splitter pr she is one of the first publicists i ever worked with uh she gave me a shot when i didn't deserve a shot um which and i i gotta qualify that i guess when i say that uh the show is still really really young um didn't have a lot of listenership was just starting out uh, and I wanted to talk to Adam D from Kill Switch Engage. And Adam D was supposed to, well, he was on the list of people to record the second Anatomy of a Ghost record, um, which we never ended up doing. Um, it was Alex Newport, Adam D. Um, man, there's a couple others. But we really loved his production. And we never ended up taking a meeting with him. So I had never actually met him. Uh, but I'd always wanted to talk to him. So. I reached out to Adam Splitter, and it was Amy at the time, and uh, she gave me a shot. She set us up in person at the Roseland Theater. I talk about it on the episode, but Adam was super sick, and I could tell he didn't want to do the interview. So I started it out by introducing him as Adam from The Price is Right, which got the ice broken and the laughter going, and we had a great time. Um, and I followed up with her afterwards to say how much fun I had, and, and uh, we've just worked together ever since. She works with a lot of people. She's grown this business adam splitter pr into something huge um but she's always given us a shot um if she can't do something she'll let us know but she always gives us a shot gives us the benefit of the doubt and trusts us and that's a huge thing in this business something you never want to betray um but it's how you get things done in this uh, podcast world 
So thank you to her for being such a good friend for so long and being such a great person. I've wanted to have her on for a long time. Uh, we did this one back before Christmas, and uh, I wanted to get this out there to you. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Uh, peels back the curtain a little bit on the music business, uh, what a publicist does, uh, her story, just a, a great person. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So let's get some business out of the way, and we'll jump right in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or questions or comments, anything like that. We have the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle on Facebook. You can join that and find out who's coming on the show. Um, you can ask questions, uh, anything like that. Just have a discussion uh, around some of these episodes that we've had. We also have the premium service, and that's peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. That gets you the ad-free feed of the episodes. It gets you the old videos of the episodes as well as the past cast. Um, we are also on YouTube. Um, YouTube is new to us, so we're trying it out for a little bit. We'll see what happens, um, but we haven't done it in six years, and now we're doing it. So you can subscribe to us on YouTube if you want. This video will also be on YouTube for you to watch uh, if you'd rather watch the episode as well. Uh, let's get into this one, guys. I'm stoked for this. My friend Amy Ciaretto from Adam Splitter PR. There we go. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Like my computer sometimes if I like, <laughs> um, it was shut down today cause I was on traveling a little bit for work stuff. And then I was like, Oh my God, it wasn't working. So I had to just reboot it real quick. Sweet. How annoying is that? Sorry about that. It's all right. Worst things have happened. <laughs> I know. Right? Or maybe if I just didn't show up. <laughs> that happened last week. Oh no. Yeah. You you it happens every once in a while. I'll give it like, yeah. I don't know, 25 minutes or so. Then I'm like, all right, I'm moving on. 
Yeah, you don't have all fucking day. I get it. I'm like that. Like, you know, all I do is chase bands. Tim, he, he primarily schedules. And now I understand why, because he's out this week for paternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, now I understand why Tim wants to kill everybody every day. Because it's like, the band is MIA. They confirmed it like three hours before, <laughs> but then we can't find them. And I'm like, and then people are like, well, where are they? I'm like, well, I wish I knew. Yeah. So. I don't even reach out anymore until the next day, usually, because I, I don't like doing that to people like because then they're frazzled anyway. If they if they mm-hmm. literally forgot, then it's just going to be it's not going to be good anyway. So I'll just say, hey, so and so didn't show up yesterday. Let's reschedule, you know, uh, this far into the game. I feel that's the best way to handle it, just because if you literally call them up, hey, could you you know, it's for me a lot of times it's like like now, like it's after work hours for, for your coast. And and sure. so someone, you know, in New York, hey, I know it's nine at night, but could you reach out to your client about this? I don't I, I don't like doing that anymore. Well, it happens to me like all the time. And I'll also like seven o'clock my time. Somebody will hit me up and be like, hey, I just wanted to ask you a real quick question about that show in March. What? Like, I don't have guest lists yet. So let's not talk about that. It's very frustrating. <laughs> People will hit you up at all hours about things that are not essential. And if I ever post on Facebook, hey, guys, like, you know, lay off. Uh, try to give me a break today on email because I'm out. Um, you know, I'm on a press day or I'm doing something. Um, you know, I'm flying and my inbox blows up. And inevitably, somebody will always say, hey, I saw your message, but I wanted to check in on that thing that's six months from now in case like they must assume I'm never coming back or I'm going to get a car accident or, you know, but it's just like, guys, like not time sensitive. So it's very frustrating. But yeah, uh, your life is your I am so curious about your life because in your line of work, you know, it's uh, I do through this show, you know, I work with a lot of you guys. And but then I think about like what it must be like to be a publicist for so many bands and, and just dealing with, I mean, just dealing with one band is difficult Yes, on any level, like dealing with five different personalities, any way you slice it is crazy. Yes. But you're doing it day in and day out and not even, I mean, most of them remotely, like you're not even the same state or same country country. Yeah. That happens a lot too. I mean, your your phone. You must charge your phone six times a day. And oh my God, see that right yeah, there? It's in right now. See, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I can only imagine. You know, I'll go out uh, with Dan from Ecovision. Like, we'll go out to lunch or something if he's in town, and I'll just look down, and his phone will just be like scrolling, without him touching it, of people reaching out. It's constant. The, the 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 dings are constant. Like a Sunday night. I was with somebody, a friend, and they were like, oh, my God, it never stops. My friend Mike one day was like, we were out to dinner and somebody fucked up a guest list. And he was like, oh, my God, you just don't get a break, do you? I said, no, never, you know, mm-hmm. but it's fine. It's the job. But it's like sometimes there's, you know, like I always say, like one thing that I, like I love the scheduling function in Gmail because I can answer emails throughout the day and schedule them. I can answer emails that come in on a Sunday and they, they will hit your inbox at 8 a.m., the next day, I wish more people use that because people say, oh, well, I know you'll see this on Monday, but it's still dinging on my phone and I have to have my phone accessible in case something that's happening this weekend blows up. Mm-hmm. So I can't ignore those messages and I get them and I have anxiety about my inbox. If I don't answer things right away. I don't like them hanging out there mm-hmm. because like it just makes me stressed. I don't want to start. I don't want to start Monday with like 87 unread emails because uh, then um, before I know it, I, it's going to be Tuesday and I still haven't gotten to any of those emails. Yeah. It's got to be insane. I get that weird anxiety when I have any notification on my phone. If there's like oh, the yeah. text with the little red, little red uh, yes. one next the to the number, even, yes, even one, I have to check. Oh, it. 
Okay. If you have, I have that same kind of OCD-ness about it. My friend, Tim Brennan, shout out Tim from Spine Farm. Last year at the Spine Farm holiday party, I noticed on Tim's phone at the bottom, because he has, yeah, you have multiple emails on your phone. Like, you know, I have my personal, I even have my old AOL one. I have my personal Gmails, my other, my writer, email, blah, blah, blah. I have all my, all my phones. There's like eight inboxes, mm-hmm. but you know, where you have the number, like say if I have like, you know, 57 across all of them, I have to get that down. Tim's little mail icon envelope icon had 106,000 emails. I was <laughs> anxious and stressed out knowing about that. He's like, oh, it's just a bunch of like, you know, newsletters, my Gmail, I don't clean them out. I go, I, anything above, like anything that's above three digits would drive me crazy. What? I have to have it in single digits, like two unread messages, 106,000. I'll never forget it. I was like, I'm literally having high anxiety and that's not even my phone. So he's like, ah, it's no big deal. I'm like, oh, it, oh, it's a big deal. Please let me delete them. Just mass delete. But that stressed me out last year and I'll never forget it. Wow. 106,000. That's insane. That's mm-hmm. absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking back before this, I was, well, before this, I was watching a documentary on Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> which was bringing me down. It was, it yeah, was I can only imagine. I had no I'm idea. Sure. The awful yeah, there's a happened. lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, but I was thinking stuff. back, like, how did Amy and I come to know each other? And I think it was, uh, I can't remember how we were introduced, but it was trying to get an interview with Adam D from Killswitch. I'm pretty sure is where he it got, began. He's a big get. He's, he's the tough one to get to, but yeah, and he was not into it at all. And I knew it because I could sense it. Like I got to the venue, like everything was set. It was perfect, but he was sick. And I think he had a uh, girlfriend traveling with them ran i think they were both sick and we get to the venue and we find a green room this is the roseland in portland so there's like seven green rooms and we find one right. and you can tell we're just like, oh, i guess one. we'll we'll i guess we'll go in here okay cool and he's just kind of like oh. and he sits down and he's just like so bummed out and i was like all right so uh let's welcome adam d from the price is right and oh. he just cracked <laughs> up laughing and okay. completely mm-hmm. broke the ice and right. that did that change the whole timber of the conversation? He, like head back laughing. And I was like, perfect. Okay. okay. That was a good move. Now we're in. Uh, but I just well, remember like it was one of my first bigger interviews and 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 working through a publicist. Mm-hmm. And it, the whole experience was just wonderful. And it I'm really like it, it, I didn't know what to expect, but everything we was so professional. And, you know, everything was lined out. Everyone was on time. Everything was good, you know, once we broke the ice with him. And the interview was great. And and uh, I remember following up with you afterwards uh, as I was driving home. I was like, hey, this was awesome. Thank you. And that was kind of breaking the ice because at that point I had gotten away from just friends that sure. I was having on. Like from, from my time in the music business, those ran out. And I'm like, okay, now how do I do this? Yeah. And that was the four channels. Well, I'm glad that we were one of the, one of the first. And yeah. it's funny that you say, I'll, I'll share a story about Adam D from Killswitch Engage. I mean, I've been working with the band since, um, since 2002, we, you know, so it's deep, it's, it's deep. Um, I, there, I have a one outlet who was always asked me, Hey, can I get Adam? Can I, and Adam does very limited press because he's Adam D. He mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, he does, he, you know, and I, I said to him, listen, the only way you're going to get Adam D to do an interview is if you entertain him. It's he's got to be laughing. That's the only way the interview with him is going to be great. When it's fart jokes, dick jokes, and people making him laugh, then it's the best thing ever because he's a goofball. He's just very funny. And 
you know, he finds, you know, like to, he comes alive when he, when he is entertained and laughing during an interview, which you clearly found out. Uh, and it's funny that you say that because that's my, that's my stock answer with people. Listen, if you're not going to have Adam Z crack it up, he ain't doing it. Um, which like I said, he's at that level. He, he's like a Corey Taylor. He does very limited press because yeah. everybody wants a piece and he's, he's pulled in a lot of different directions and he just does very high level press. So I'm glad you had a good experience with him. He's amazing. You know, he's Adam D. He's a goofball. You'll never not have a good time with him. Um, and when he's laughing, it's everybody's laughing. So yeah. And I got whatever he had, so it was it was <laughs> fair game. I got sick the next day. <laughs> this was, was before all it, this right? stuff. This was like was 20, 2017 or something like that. Oh, God, um, so long ago. But, yeah, just absolutely, absolutely hilarious situation. But, you know, you've, you've worked with all these bands for a long time. Like, they're with you yeah. for a long time. And that's one thing Very I noticed, too. Time. Like, mm-hmm. how much it's like a family. Like, I mean, oh, you talk about these 100%. bands like they're your your brothers and sisters or kids. Oh, my God. Or... Matt Hayfever from Trivium is like my child. You I know, I mean, I couldn't even birth him, literally. Uh, I love well, yeah, that he's man. Been, yeah, he's an amazing human being. He, like, we were just at the, they played uh, the Palladium in, in New York City now, which used to be the PlayStation Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the 2,500, 2,300 capacity venue, completely sold out. You know, Monty, who sort of Roadrunner, was there. Phil at Roadrunner, um, Mark, who sort of Roadrunner, we were there. And we all went backstage to say hi and hang out. I had a bunch of stuff to go over with him. And Matt is like handing out water to everybody, mm-hmm. introducing everybody to Frozen Soul, who was backstage. He's like the ambassador, you know, and and, and he's been building this empire um, that he has for, for a really long time. And um, it's great to see because he's, a, he's an awesome human being. And, um, you know, he's he he's really built, you know, his cottage industry on Twitch and what you see is what you get with him. And that's really, really refreshing. But yeah, it's like family. Like I've been with Killswitch since the beginning. I started the company to continue working with them. Uh, when I took the job at Roadrunner, because I used to work at Roadrunner, I took the job to work with Killswitch, Slipknot and Glassjaw and Fear Factory. Those were the bands I really wanted to work with. And Killswitch and I came up together, you know, and I always joke with them. I'm like, you guys don't like change. That's why we're still together. But it really is because I know those guys inside and out i know the wives the girlfriends the history i know what they like to do i know how they like to do press they're very particular about stuff um and i know uh you know i know the ins and outs and inner working that's why i work all their side projects because i know what mike d likes i know what justin i know jesse howard you know obviously not in the band anymore but you know that's why we stick together because you know it is like a family we've been through the shit together so um you know we don't i don't I always tell people, I don't clock out, you know, I don't abandon or orphan a project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I started my company to keep working with Killswitch because I left Roadrunner and I went to a Killswitch show and I said to Mike D backstage, I said, Hey, I'm leaving Roadrunner just FYI. And he goes, Whoa, well, don't leave us. And I went, okay, fine. I won't. And that's why I, you know, and then Gojira, I was like, we still, we need you machine head. So it just, you know, it's like, I never really left cause I still work with most of the bands. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely like a family It has to be because like, you know, I don't want to do anything else. You know, I don't, I don't want to go find another job. I don't want to find another business to work in. I talked to my friends who were like, you know, Oh, I, my brother always says to me, he works at a casino. He's, you know, he like runs the floor and he's like, man, I check my watch like a thousand times a day. And that's like the first hour. And I'm like, man, I never do that. I don't have to go to happy hour to feel like to get through my, to, to get through the fact that I have to go back to work tomorrow. I've never had that. Yes. There's, I, um, you know, I get up at five and I'm usually working till 11 and it, there's never a day off, but I don't want to do anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. all day long, some people hate their job. They're nine to five. I never feel that way. I love what I'm doing. I love exposing bands to, to, to these fans. I know that 
the bands that I found that I love, somebody worked hard to get them to my ears. And I want to be that person, mm-hmm. you know, doing that. Uh, Cause it's so much harder these days because nobody's handing you a flyer at, at a show, you know, you're, you're finding it online. So that makes even the job of policy even more important because you, you're the one that's kind of directing that flow. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't want to do anything else. So it serves, uh, it, you know, pay, it like one uh, caring about the, like, and I love the music and I care, I want the bands to be able to continue to make a living at their music. So like I said, it's in my best interest to, to, to give more fucks than the next person. Yeah. You, you and that's handle, just who I am. You handle yourself in such a way, like, uh, especially with podcasts. Podcasting came along, and it's a weird medium because it's it long form. Yeah. Yes, mostly. Sometimes which can you scare get a five some people who minute. aren't, which can scare even a front man who's up there on stage every night. They can get scared of that uh-huh. long form for sure. Exactly. But what I like about what you do, like Charlie Beezer and Monica Speakeasy, and you guys. All great ladies. You ask, like, like, well, how much time would you need? Instead of, here's your 15 minutes. It's, oh, yeah, how much know, time right? would you need? What's a couple dates that work for you? And then you go and try and make it happen. Instead of not understanding the platform and saying, okay, well, uh, this day, this day, uh, you get 10 minutes and that make it happen. It doesn't work that way a lot of the time. But you guys oh. take that and and you act as like a... um like a like a conduit between the artist and us where then it works out for everybody because the artist knows what they're getting into and they can mm-hmm. say no um sure you know but then everyone's happy because they know what they're getting into they're prepared for it you know um a lot of times it's not just another 15 minute junket um but it's a really valuable resource because it really can show a fan what a person's like it, you know? I always tell when I tell bands about doing podcasts, because we started working with podcasts super early. You know, mm-hmm. we were always chained from lead singer syndrome and, uh, you know, baby with really speaking and talk to me, Josh to me. But mm-hmm. even way before that, we saw the value in podcasts because, you know, you were like you said, it's a long form interview. And while that does scare some bands because they know they got to talk about a variety of subjects. It's not just like, oh, I got my 15 minutes. Boom. I talked about the new single, the video, the tour, blah, blah, blah. You're going to go deep about a lot of different stuff. So I think that you have to kind of prepare the artist in advance. Hey, guys, this is what you're going to need to do. This is how it's going to happen. And I always tell them this. Even if the podcast has 10,000, 15,000 downloads, 5,000 a month, it doesn't matter because the people who are listening are going to listen the entire time. They're going to listen from minute one to minute 45. So you have the captive audience audience the whole time. They're probably going to buy something afterwards and they're going to walk away learning something about you that they didn't know. That was what makes it so valuable. And I used to say that all the time. It's like, you're getting somebody who is going to go deep with you. And it's going to, I always notice podcasters, very thorough, very well researched, much, much deeper, um, you know, thought going into the questions. And I think that's what really makes it, it's scary for some guys or some artists, sorry, you know, guys and girls. Mm -hmm. But I think once you explain that, that you've got this captive audience. And I always tell people when they say, oh, this podcast has like 500 followers on Facebook. If I'm trying to tell a manager, here's why I think the band should do this. Because I'll always back it up with why I, I want the band to do it. Oh, it's only got 500 Facebook followers. Well, here, I'll tell you something. I patronize Patreon eyes, <laughs> like four podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I love what they're doing and want them to keep doing it. And it's five bucks a month and you get stickers or you get a bracelet or something. 
but I patriotize them. I don't follow any of them on, on Facebook. I might follow them on Instagram because if it's true crimes and then you get the photos and shit up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't follow them on Instagram and I listen to every episode and I pay for it. So Facebook is and Instagram even are not really the best gauge of who's listening because I don't need to see what they're posting all the time. I need to listen to the content they provide when I'm driving long distances every other, you know, because I drive to Philly almost every weekend because that's where my family is. Um, you know, I listen to those an hour and a half each way. Um, and I listen like I one po- new podcast I listened to that I found, I'm going back and I'm hitting every episode. So that's what I, I try to impart is the serious value of them is that you get a captive audience and the people who are fans, they're going to listen to every episode. So you're going to make, you're getting new ears. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is something that I also don't take lightly either. Like I, I try to go at everything with the utmost respect and I don't try to, I don't try to gouge people and, and try to get them to say things and, you know, and, and I'll hit them up afterwards. Like, Hey, you mentioned this, like, are you cool with that going out? You know, instead of right. saying, yeah, no, that's you said good. It. They appreciate you said that. It, they right? really, like, yeah. that's it. Hey, man, you're that. on record. I don't do that. You know, that's something you have to tell people too. You're on record, you know, so make sure you say what. But I've had people check in, they say, hey, they might have said this. And I appreciate that too, because if that goes out, and yes, you, it, you the, the artist knows they're being interviewed, but if it goes out and they're not happy about it, then my day gets real fun mm-hmm. talking to the person that either edit it out, take it down, or explain why. And look, I usually don't ever get a hard time from anybody like oh, i'll take it out or I'll, I'll edit that part i don't usually get a lot of hard time on that stuff but it's not the fun, most fun thing to to talk about or ask somebody to do because like you might think it's super innocuous but the artist is like oh, i don't like how i sound it so it's just very very um yeah it's it's kind of like you know, it's that fine line that you have to walk between serving the artist and serving the media yeah yeah and you guys you just do a great job and i, I really appreciate it and and um well, thank you. you know i don't know i'm sure you get told that all the time but i do i really appreciate you know working with you and and so many others that are just on point and it just makes it better all around well you know we you know like i said tim and i are always talking about like you know what who can we who we think is the right fit for dewey like or what do we who who should we you know when i hit you about Snapcase, it yeah. just felt like fit, you know made yeah. sense Tucker, we'll get him sorted. They're just, it's the record is coming and we'll get that done yeah. uh, for our students. Um, but yeah, it's like very, um, you know, we, we try to, we don't just try to throw stuff like that doesn't make sense. You know, we'll get told sometimes, Hey, we think this makes sense for a podcast. Like, ah, no, it doesn't. We're like, okay. Just, like, at least you told us, at least somebody who passed tells us why. Um, because we sometimes, you know, we think we have home runs, you know, all the time. And, but we won't pitch something that doesn't make sense. We think we, we are pitching it to you because we looked at it and we said, Hey, you've interviewed this person, this person, this person. That's why I said sad case. It just feels like it's in your wheelhouse. It makes sense. And you were like, yeah, totally. So we want to make sure everything we bring to you is something that we think is a fit. And sometimes we might pitch you something and you're into it and you do it. You're like, well, that was awesome. I'm like, that's our job to make sure, you know, we turn you on to something, uh, you know, you walk away from going that was a good that was a good yes or that was a good you know non non-pass or whatever yeah so. i got that that snapcase email before i even got out of bed in the morning for work and i was like <laughs> well i'll check my phone which i gotta stop doing but i checked it and i was just like damn oh this is perfect all right yeah let's do it. i think i responded right i was like yeah fuck yeah let's do yeah, this yeah you got back to me really quick and yeah. i was like well it makes sense because we had you know we were like let's cherry pick some podcasts for daryl and, and all those yeah. guys to do and they're just one of my favorite bands personal favorite Mine bands too. of all time Mm-hmm. When they pay, so they play Brooklyn, which I hate going to Brooklyn. I live in New Jersey. You have to cross like bridges and tunnels to get to Brooklyn. It's a big pain in the ass. Uh, but anytime Snapcase plays, I'm going. So, because I love them. I've always loved them. They they were a huge part of, you know, um, my life, at, at, you know, when I was more just a music fan, you know, before I started working with it. 
So to get to work with them on this book and this reissue of progression through learning that they're doing, it's really, you know, um, I would be mad if anybody else is working it because I love them so much, you know, so and just fun, like messaging with those guys. I've known them for years. I used to interview them all the time when I was a music writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's just fun being on the other side and talking about a record, a reissue of a record that I, like I can't live without. So yeah. it's incredible. I, I I'm curious as to where this where this nurturing spirit comes from with you, Amy, where like early age like were you an older sister were you an only child yeah. like i'm the baby i have two baby. older brothers yes i have two older brothers did you and, take uh, care of them like were you trying no, to take care of them the same way no, i was now? no i'm super independent like it was always like um when they would try to do things for my my nickname growing up was uh i'll do it myself because i was like no no i'll do it myself even when i was like little like they would try to help me and I'd be like, i'll do it myself i'll do it myself i was always like that or when i was first going to kindergarten i remember my mom was like all right i'll walk you to like you know because i was a catholic school she's like i'll walk you up there i'm like no i'm gonna go myself like i was always like that but no, i i'm uh i've just always been um you know uh, um I don't know. I, I don't know where it comes from. Uh, but no, I was a baby. I'm the youngest. Uh, and my parents were only children too, both of them. So it's like, we didn't have a lot of aunts and uncles or anything. So, um, but yeah, my mom actually used to, you know, run a, like a not official daycare. Um, we had some younger kids like in our house too, but you know, that, and I used to help. That's how I learned how to like change diapers and do stuff like that. But no, I'm, I'm the youngest. Interesting. I don't know where it comes from. Interesting. Were your parents nurturing? Uh, oh goodness. Um, I would say not really. No, okay. my dad is super, my dad, and this is, not, I'm not, I'm cool talking about it. I'll say it into my dad. I always tell people watch, if you've ever seen, um, the silver linings playbook, uh-huh. uh, my dad is Robert De Niro in that movie. Um, there are scenes in that movie when I watched it, I went to see it and, um, in the movie theater with my friend, Mike, who knew my dad. And I remember I would laugh. I was laughing during these breakdown scenes that Bradley Cooper was having. He's like, this isn't funny. I go, it's not, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm watching my dad on screen. I feel like this scene, my dad, that's my dad right there because he was very temperamental very mercurial um you know very old school italian you know um very very old school and my mom and him like were like oil and water so she used humor to get through it so they were not nurturing either they they, they would say that they were but no i'm gonna say no okay but i don't know i just always been like i always loved animals i always felt like i always felt sorry for the underdog i would be the person where like back when I was growing up, you know, uh, you had to be a lot tougher because people were going to say rude shit to you and insult how you looked and so you're getting boobs. They were going to make fun of you for being, having the biggest boobs in the class, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff like that, at that time, that that's how it was. And, you know, I was always the person who would feel bad for, and try to befriend the people who were getting like picked on like that. I was just always like, I was just always uh, very for the underdog literally too, because I work with homeless dogs, um, you know, volunteering at a dog shelter. And to me, that's the most rewarding work you could ever do because um you're you know you're doing something for somebody who can never repay you and that should be the reason you do it not to be repaid you should do it just to help mm-hmm. so um yeah i don't know where that comes from but um yeah not definitely not on my family well it definitely speaks uh, to your diy work ethic yeah is, for is sure yeah. not having that that oh always doing turn. everything myself always so how did you get into how did you you said you're a music writer i know you work for yeah. roadrunner but how did yes. you how did you enter the music business then was it in your uh, teen years yes the trajectory is this i have told the story many times okay i started out um in uh uh when i was in like my brother first my oldest brother he was a huge rock fan and when i was born he would sit i would sit on his 
lap on a rocking chair and he would listen to vinyl and it was journey kiss acdc um you know aldo nova stuff like that so we would um you know i would sit with him and listen to music and i just loved music from a young age and they took me to see kiss and acdc uh you know my my parents would you know my mom would go to the acdc concert with my brother and his friends in high school and i would be i would go and i would you know I, I remember the story when I went and saw ACDC, I think it was for those about the rock and it was Spectrum in Philly. And I was sitting on the end next to my mom and my hair braids, my ACDC shirt on and they play, played, she's got the Jack and I was singing and the guys across the aisle were like, how, how does she, this child know this song? And they're like, if she come sit with us and my mom let me go sit across the aisle with, with the teen pot smokers, but it was very funny. But like my brother, you know, really started that. And I, I went to, I mean, I saw Journey when I was like eight, you know, mm-hmm. I, I went, my first concert was not Lollapalooza or Ozfest. Um, and when I, uh, as I, 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 that's all I wanted to do was go to record stores and I would go to shows at the Trocadero in Philly uh, when I was in high school, my college, my high school slash college boyfriend, Tom and I were big. We connect, we met at a job we worked at a shitty job and we connected over music. We both loved Pantera, you know, we both loved hardcore. So we would go to shows together, like on Valentine's day, we'd go see tool mm-hmm. and that would be our Valentine's present to each other. You know, we would give each other red hot chili peppers books for Christmas. So we were huge music fans together. Um, and we loved everything. Thing, like I said, from Pantera to Youth of Today to Metallica, everything. And, um, uh, you know, he was the one who got me into a lot of hardcore bands like Snapcase and Girl Biscuits and stuff like that. And um, then I when I got to college, when I was in college, I would I I was like, oh, there's a school paper and I can write about music. There's a school radio station and I can run it there. Um, and then I would see that. Oh, my God, there's um, uh, you know, uh, uh, a music magazine, a weekly or a monthly music magazine that I can write reviews for. Get the music for free. Get it early. Get to meet the bands and interview them at the Trocadero backstage, and get paid for it. Wow, I was just a good writer. So I that all my friends in college were like going out and getting drunk on Thursday nights at this bar called Hanks. So I was like, oh, I'm going to the Troc. I'm going to go interview Fear Factory or mm-hmm. Morbid Angel or something like that. I, I didn't want to do anything. I knew the minute that I got to college that I wanted to work in music. So I did all those things. I interned, and then you know when I was graduating. College, college, I was like going on job interviews before I was even done college. Uh, and I got the job at CMJ. That was a job I wanted. I wanted it so bad. Uh, and I got hired as an editorial assistant, writing reviews on indie rock and, uh, you know, formatting stuff. And then three months in, they gave me the metal editor job. And then I just built that up and I worked there for, it was my favorite job. I love, I was writing about metal all day, going to shows, mm-hmm. going to 200 shows a year. I, I loved it, but it wasn't, it was a at a college job, you know, and I was, while I was doing that, I was writing for like Krang. I was writing for spin. I was writing for revolver. I was writing for all AP. And then when I went to roadrunner, um, I took the radio job there because back then radio, we, there was like 600 radio stations you could service that had like a metal hour long or four hour long or a nightly metal show. And that it was commercial radio. It was college radio. It was community. It was everything. So I would go and, um, you know, uh, I, I would, super serve those media outlets. I also worked, did video promotion, you know, um, so I did radio and video at Roadrunner. Um, and I was there, um, and I did that for like, I think six years. And then I moved to the press department, which is doing the same thing, just to different people. And because I basically wrote for every publication, uh, you know, I was able to, I already had relationships with a lot of those people. So I basically shifted to that. And I was there at Roadrunner for almost 13 years. And then that the company was definitely shifting and changing. And when I left there, um, you know, I started my own company to keep working, you know, doing PR. Uh, and uh... 
What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm 
is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It really spiraled quickly because the Roadrunner bands would hire me. Roadrunner even said, hey, we're going to put you on contract. And then all the managers of Roadrunner bands were like, well, I have six other bands I manage on other labels. We're going to bring you in. And within five months, I needed an assistant. It grew really fast. I was like, let me see if I want to do this. And it just, it spiraled out of control. It'll be 10 years next year. And, you know, I never thought I would say, I, I, you know, one of my staff is on paternity leave, you know, like I never thought that would be me because I was like, Oh my God, I could never work from home. I have to get up and I, I act like I don't work from home. I get up every day. I take a shower. I get ready and I get dressed and I come to my, I walk down the hall to my office and um, I, I act like I'm commuting because I can't roll out of bed and like answer emails. I need to take a shower, brush my teeth, put on makeup, do everything like I would if I was commuting because I, I just can't roll out of bed and sit on the couch and work. I just, I, I like, um, and I'm actually looking to like actually move to a bigger house so that I can have an office downstairs and the staff can be there like two or three days a week. So yeah, it's very, you know, um, I never thought I would be that person. And I'm at the point now where I'm transitioning away from even pitching stuff because I have Rachel and Tim and, you know, Shane and Monique, our team doing all that. Cause I need to focus on running the company and get us even bigger clients. So I never thought I would be that person either, but um, you know, I loved working at Roadrunner. I became the adult human being I am while I worked there. I was there for a really long time. I had so many great experiences. I mean, I would say my experiences with Machine Head were the best of my life. I would fly out on my own dime to go see them in Chicago just because um, we were like family. I'm still like family with Rob Flynn, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of guys in the band, even the guys that aren't in the band anymore, you know, Phil Demel and I are texting about the Phillies in the World Series. So, mm -hmm. and like Phil Demel and I would go, he'd be like, you drive, I'll buy the tickets. And we would go, we would meet up at, 
and Machine Head show. And then we would go see whatever big Phillies game was in town. We would plan like, hey, we're in town this day and the Phillies are playing. So let's go. You know, so that's like how tight all of us were. Um, and that's basically the story of how I got from A to B to C, I guess. That's a wild trajectory and it all works out yeah. perfectly. Like yes. Everything was, set you up for the next thing. Yeah, pretty much. It's like a movie. And yeah, pretty much. And like, I always knew what I wanted to do. And like I said, when I transitioned from working, being a writer, like I always say, I'm a retired writer. I'm like, people are like, Hey, you want to do a bio? I'm like, no, I mean, I'm done with it. I love, I used to love to write, but it's not easy for me anymore. So I stopped doing it. And I find myself actually liking being on the other side more. I prefer to be the person pitching the ideas and the angles and the stories um, as opposed to being the one writing about it anymore and that was a good fun that was a fun period but i it, like i burnt out on it pretty quickly yeah you yeah as you should i mean living a life like that is is great going to shows every night and all that i mean just the, oh. the non-stop will burn you out eventually it eventually. really will and there there have been so many times where like i used to like i like i would go to four shows a night like how did i ever like well i was also 21 you know my body was a lot um it could handle that a lot more yeah uh but now i'm just like oh my god if i want to be in bed the same night as the show if i'm home and in bed by 11 55 that's a good night like and if the show was like a band you know like like, but if the band's going on at 11, I'm fucked. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm too old for this shit. But there would be times when I would just be like, um, you know, uh, pretty much, oh, I got, oh, uh, at the drive-ins playing at, uh, you know, the knitting factory and they go on at 1130 and I live in New Jersey, no problem. You know, and that's how I would just kill time exploring the city, um, you know, with Brad, my old roommate, because we had a lot of time to kill before shows, mm -hmm. you know? But then when CMJ moved into the city, you know, we would like get to meet up with people and we would go to dinner with, you know, label people and stuff like that. So it just fostered a real sense of community and in, in face to face in the music industry back then. Mm -hmm. And I went I went the other night. I took my boss to uh, Helmet and uh, Clutch with Quicksand. Right. And, and uh, by the time Clutch was done, we're looking at the clock. It's Sunday night. We all have to be back at the parking lot. We're getting ready to leave at mm -hmm. you know, like five hours. Maybe we should just sleep here in the parking lot. Oh my goodness! We didn't, but it was it was one. Of, you know, you're getting older because you're oh. like, oh, an encore, shit. No, it's okay, guys. Uh, you can, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just feel like it's like when I know like the band, like if I know I'm going to see a show at St. Vitus in Brooklyn, I know I'm fucked because the band that I'm gonna, you know, um, that I'm probably there to see ain't going on till like eleven, mm -hmm. and then I'm oh shit, then I gotta drive all the way back, and there's probably gonna be construction. And a 14 mile drive is going to turn into two hours. And then I'm going to have to, you know, get home, get my contacts out, blah, 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 feed the dog. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Um, but I still love doing it. I, I still hit about a hundred shows a year, maybe 75 to a hundred. Uh, and after COVID took all that away from us, mm -hmm. now I'm going to everything. I'm not grumpy about if I got to, you know, uh, get to a show by a certain time. I'm definitely, uh, uh, I, I learned, you learn to appreciate what you, what you love and what you have when it's taken away. Yeah. I love seeing your posts when you're at a show. Cause you're so passionate about it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the way it's phrased is always perfect. And you can just sense the excitement coming from. Oh my post. God. I'm so pumped. Yeah. I want to be there. Like I, I don't like anything as much as I, that's my favorite thing to do is go to shows. I have some friends like, oh, I'm over shows. I'm not, I, that's my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's going to remain that way. I hope so because it's it's awesome to see, and I'm I'm the same way. I love going to shows, but uh, like I say, where I get up so early in the morning, and and it's so hard to like once you're already home, just like fuck, 
all right, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the van, go down, go downtown, yep. and and see this and see that. And I gotta drag my ass out. There are days where I'm like, no, but then there are days like, yes. So it, it's it's definitely like I said, it's a when I was 20, even like 25, I I could stand all day. It wasn't like, oh my back hurts. Oh my god, this. Oh my god, that. Um, I still love going to shows, so that'll never stop. I love live music. I love being in the same room with the people who make the noise. I love feeling the vibrations of the instrument in the same room. And I love feeling the crowd's energy because you know that there's people in the room who are like, and this has saved their life, you know, Mm -hmm. and this made them feel that they are not alone. And that's like a cosmic thing that you connect with, you know, and I'm just like, I just love seeing the bands that I love perform. I never have more fun than when I see a day to remember, you know, they're just always a good time. I'm always going to love seeing hate breed you know i'm never going to get sick of those songs they could play them you know i'll never miss them when they play local because seeing them makes me happy mm-hmm. it's it's something i think about sometimes with this whole network that we have is you look at like a, an operation that's saving someone's life right someone comes in the hospital mm-hmm. something happened they go in the operating room there's 12 people in there working on this person i feel the same way about this sometimes to where you yeah. know, from the band to the poses to the the host to the whatever it is, everyone has a part in that. Just like in that yeah. room, it's all got to be orchestrated the right way, and get that message, get those words out to people to help. You know, like you said, like you, it's, it saves people's lives a lot of time. Like it's 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 a it's a real thing. I get emails about that all the time. It's wild, and it, every one of them hits me like a truck. Yeah, for sure, and, uh, and like. When you're saying like it's not saving lives, like a lot of times, like somebody, a friend of mine, and I will joke, we're like, we're not saving lives here. But on some level, you kind of are because you, I know that there was somebody who worked to get the music I liked to my ears. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm helping this music get to the people who need to hear it and need to hear it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important. It really is. You know, when sometimes the fans, because my email is always on the band's website, website, um, you know, and to contact me for stuff. And a lot of times fans will just reach out because they don't know who else to ask. And I'll get asked quite often, like, hey, I just can you pass this along to the band? You know, my 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 daughter had cancer and her first thing that she did was go to see this band. Or, you know, I just want you to know that I went through a really bad breakup and I prevails lyrics on this song or Pierce the Veil saved my life. And I forward that to managers all the time. And I say, look, I'm just passing this along as a courtesy because somebody took the time to tell me this. I can't just delete it. You know what I mean? It's somebody's heart right there. Um, and I just pass it along because I think that the bands need to see that stuff too. Um, and, and it's more immediate. And then I also get asked, Hey, can you help me get, you know, propose to my girlfriend? And, you know, uh, I can't do that obviously. Cause that, that would, you know, that's that we would do that. That would be my job at setting up proposals on stage. Cause I get so many of them, but I just like to clarify to people sometimes I'm like, Hey, like, you know, it, it is like saving lives in just a different way, you know, um, because music and art without art, you know, uh, ha- like life can be really difficult. Shit sucks. To, you know, breakups suck. You know, my dog dying was the worst thing to ever happen to me. And it was music that and listening to song, like making playlists about him that got me through it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's important. You need that. Like there's like, I can have a entire conversation with somebody quoting a movie uh, because it, it connected with me so much watching it, you know, and, and art is what makes um, life more palatable when you're going through shit and Mm -hmm. that's why music and connecting those dots is really important and that's where when some people might say oh you have like a luxury job 
Um, you know, yeah, I also have a 24 seven job. Uh, I don't know how luxurious that is, but yeah. And I get, you know, uh, my friend Brad used to always joke, like if somebody found your phone with all the numbers in there, everybody in Slipknot, everybody's, you know, uh, they would be like, it would be crazy, but I'm like, yeah, but it's also all those numbers in there are for work purposes too, you know? So, uh, and usually like, you know, like I, I used to joke, like, you know, when sometimes an artist would call me at the road on our office, I'd be like, oh shit. And one new person was like, why were you like, oh shit. When this one artist called, I go, he's not calling to say, Hey Amy, how are you? Hey Amy, great job. He's calling because he's unhappy about something another band got and wants to know why he didn't get it. And that's exactly it. I'm like, and some things, those are just like, those are rough call conversations to have with somebody you have a professional relationship with and care for very much, you know, as a friend. And it's just like, I know I'm getting, I know I'm going to get bitched at for something. And that's fine. It's part of the job. Yeah. I, I going back and, and I'm so sorry about your dog. And I, and this Thanks. brings me to another point is when I was in the hospital, my dad was passing away and I was posting mm -hmm. stuff on Facebook about it. You reached out and, and sent some really kind words. And I was like, wow, you know, like you didn't have to do that. Like, that was one of those things where I was just like, man, that really means something because you literally did not have to do that at all. And then fast forward, like, I think it was maybe close to a year later when your dad passed away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was he like, right I am reaching totally. out to Amy immediately because like I had just gone through that. You mm -hmm. were going through yeah. that, like literally like a year later. And I it still sticks with me, you know, that you reached out about that. Like, it was just, it was like, wow, like literally did not have to do that. And that's what made it stick in my mind so much more, you know, because um, it was just a special thing. It's like, man, like, and my mom's like, you got to stop posting that stuff on social media, you know, th about your dad. And I was like, I'm going to post whatever I want on there. You know, like, this is a rough time, like we're going through here. And uh, I was like, look at all these messages that have been pouring in from all over the world. Like, it's like, right, of course, he doesn't know any of these people, but, you know, they're, 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 we're all connected that way. It's something that, that you know it's bigger than all of us and it was it was something uh that was really really meant something uh special and i appreciate that and and uh, well i just think it's like people we're all human you know and it's like sometimes you just you know i always say why i'm extra try to be extra nice to people is because everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about mm -hmm. you know and i always think that's somebody's dad or that's somebody's brother or somebody's sister or somebody's mom somebody's friend that's why i don't get people who are rude to servers or rude to the cashier at target oh, yeah. Like that's somebody that, that's somebody that's a human being, you know, on the other end of that. I, I say I was, I'm nice to everybody until they give me reason not to be really. That's mm -hmm. the way I operate on everything in life. Um, and, you know, when I see things, people I know, I just like to reach out. So, you know, hey, you know, just throw you a little bit of a lifeline. You know, there was there was one guy who I worked with a lot and he posted something that really concerned me. And I just reached out and I said, hey, man, if you need to call me, you know, it was like a Friday night. I'm like, I'm here because I don't like what I'm seeing. You know, and he told me like a year later, he's like, that really helped. You know, my friend John Freeman, who's also a publicist years ago, he says, like, one day I just called you and I just needed somebody to listen and you were there. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I could be that for people mm -hmm. if they need it. You know, even if I don't realize I'm doing it, I just feel like there's so many like, uh, you know, when I was younger, there was no conversations about mental health. There was no conversations about, you know, it's OK to feel this way if you do it. Was, so I would just be like, OK, I'm going to read these lyrics that Daryl Taberski or Tim Williams from VOD wrote, and they're going to get me through this rough patch, this breakup or, you know, this stress about school, you know, because I was crazy about school. Um uh, you know, so, or this, just whatever situation was going on. Um, and I think that's important. I think people have to, like I said, art is like, you know, art has to be something that gets us through these really rough times. Cause without it, what do you have, you know? Um, 
I really feel like it's that important, you know, whether it's books, movies, music, or all of it, it's something you have to hold on to. Yeah. It and takes life. And makes it beautiful. Like it's yeah. all the, all the negativity. It can just change it, change it all. Yeah, it's huge. And there's like a lot of times too, it's just the humanity of it. You know, there's like people, you know, like I said, people fighting battles you don't know anything about, you know, there's days when I'm having a horrible day. And like I said, when Higgins, my dog, I mean, he was, he was like my, he was by my side every single day for 12 full years. I mean, all day, every day. Cause I started the company. Mm-hmm. He was right by my side. And, you know, we spent, I spent more time with him. I think I calculated it was several hundred thousand hours that I spent with him more than anybody. And you know what? It was the greatest love of my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, people reached out to me about him. People were like, man, I, I, I felt like I knew him. Some, uh, here's a perfect example. There was this um, girl, Jenny sort of metal blade records. And I hadn't talked to her in like three or four years, but we, or maybe even five years, we still stayed on touch, posted on Facebook and stuff. And when he passed away, she called me at four o'clock in the morning and she goes, please tell me this isn't true. And I was like, yeah. And she started crying and just sat there and talked to me. She's like, I felt like I knew him for all those years. And I saw the happiness that he brought you. And she goes, this is devastating. And it's like, you just don't, that's the good side of social media where mm-hmm. you can connect people and you're not arguing about your political beliefs. That's why I never post anything political because mm-hmm. I don't want to have an argument. And I don't even feel like I, I could I talk well enough about my thoughts to, to, and why, who cares what anybody thinks about that stuff? There's, there's so much more important stuff to be worried about in the world and take care of each other instead of fighting over who voted what way, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it scares me that it, it's gone in that direction, but you know, like I said, I'm, I, when I go to show, I post about shows and I post about dogs and those are things that make me happy. And, and your shirts. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. My dad bod shirt. Look, the mm. pop is a sustainable fashion, but you know what the thing is? There's a big resale market. I learned this. There's this really small, um, like vintage. I don't know why I started. I just wanted an Ozzy Blizzard of Oz shirt one day. And I was like, why? I don't want the reprints because uh, they look, they don't look vintage. And I, everywhere I looked on like Poshmark and the pop, they were like 300, $400. But then I know I found one for like 60 bucks and I offered a deal and they gave it to me for like 50. And I was like, all right, that's worth it. And then when I went to this really small shop in New Jersey, uh, cause I just Googled one night vintage stores near me, t-shirt stores. And I went there and they had all this awesome shit. They had all these 80, like WWF wrestlers that oh, I love. Back you know? in the day. Uh, yeah. Back in the, cause that, that, you know, my, my, my one brother, used, we used to watch wrestling together. That mm-hmm. was our thing. Um, you know, like I said, growing up in a mostly male household, but they, the guy who sells the shirt at the store, he told me, he's like, listen, you, cause I'll buy a smaller medium medium. He's like, listen, you can get like, ex- like if he sold me an iron maiden shirt from like 83 for 75 bucks, he was like, cause it was a small, mm-hmm. he said, if this shirt was an XL, I would make $500 off of it because you can sell it to more people. There's mm-hmm. more appeal. He's like, when you want to buy the smaller sizes. So that's how I started. Like I said, with, but the Creed shirt that I got was dad bod size. And I was like, I loved it. It was just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to admit I am. I'm an unabashed Creed fan. I love them. I think Mark Giamonti is a terrific guitarist who gets no credit. Um, you know, people like Scott, Stapp. Scott Stapp is a great singer. Uh, I, I love his, his typical rock star front man vibe, but Mark Giamonti, man, that guy's a beautiful guitarist. I mean, some of the, you listen to some of those riffs and you're like, wow, this, and, and that's a diamond album because it's good. If 25 million people are buying it, you've got to be doing something right. And I don't care if it's not cool to like Creed. I always like, now it might be cool to like Creed and Nickelback. I always liked Creed. Well, I was like Nickelback too, because I worked with them and they were never anything but great to me, but, and I had great dental insurance because of them, but I'm just saying like Creed, <laughs> love so good. Such a good, like, just, just great, like really good rock music. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like, don't be too cool for the room. I, 
I had great dental insurance because of Nickelback. I love that. That's I amazing. I, I, I mean, we did. Tremonti is is an insane guitar player. And he is. I think he's was ranked like the in the top ten of all time artists of the de- or guitar player of the decade. I don't argue with I that. I forget he's what magazine good. it was, but it was guitarist of the decade. I, maybe it was like Revolver or something like that. Um, yeah, I, but I went and saw Scott Stapp play for like eighty people in Portland with a buddy of mine uh, that an. Uh, his publicist at the time had hit me up, asked me if we wanted to go. I said, "Yeah, I'll go check it out." So I go there, and we're we went to the front row because it, it was in a high school auditorium that's now. A oh club. my god! It's, it's called the. That's that. It's, wow! It's called Revolution <laughs> Hall, and this was mm-hmm. like three years ago, four years ago, before COVID. And there's 80 people there, and I'm like, "This is crazy!" Like, this guy was playing stadiums, and then like now he's playing here, Madison Square Garden, and yeah. I went. To the front row, I was like, we gotta watch this from the front row. And I don't remember what I was. Oh, the guitar player was like in my face, like rocking out. And so I put my <laughs> fist in the air like this, just like, yes. And yeah, Scott, Scott like crab walks over to me, looks me in the eyes, and fist bumps me. Oh my God. And I was yeah, just like, I just fist bumped Scott Stapp, like unintentionally, fist bumped Scott Stapp. Uh, and that was you know, that was the the story of the night. <laughs> because that's a good one. No, that's like, a good one. How the hell does this even happen? Um, I know it's a crap app. You couldn't get near him probably in like you know like ten years ago or well 20, I would say two thousand and two. It's probably like twenty years ago. But. Yeah, it's just wild how things change over time. Like yeah. the situation changes, the the demand changes. I guess it's economics. It really is. And Mark Tremonti has gone on to carve out a great career for himself. Oh, he's killing it. You know, and, and he loves bands like Gojira. Mm-hmm. And he's great. Like, I think he, I just think he's, he's a class act. I think he is what, uh, like a lot of guys in his genre should emulate. Yeah. I think like I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's playing him. heavy. Like he, he yeah. that shit is heavy. It is. That's what he's good at. Like he's just, yeah. he owns it. Um, yeah. He is very, uh, I think, you know, he, I interviewed him once and he said, oh, I, I feel like Creed was like my college band. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, well, most college bands don't sell, you know, diamond status records, <laughs> <Yeah>. but okay. <laughs> and also don't leave the country. Right, I didn't know right. that until recently that they never toured Europe. They just never left the U.S. They just kept circling. Just, I mean, they didn't. I mean, honestly, they probably didn't need to. I mean, with yeah. how much they were. You know, but like I saw them at Madison Square Garden. I saw them all over and I would go see them anytime. I was like, I like the band. And it, I used to get people used to freaking, you know, like they used to like drill me about it. Like, oh, they were trying. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to apologize. And I still love them to this day. And that's why I said I bought two creatures. <laughs> I, know, and I can get them. And I can, like I said, I can get the smaller size. I can get, pay less because of the smaller sizes. Yeah, but. it's a win win. I love that we're talking about Creed right now. Um, I am too. I, yeah, look, I can talk about Creed as much as I can talk about that. <laughs> I wanted to ask you this, just and this is probably I don't know if you've probably gotten this question a lot, and and sure. I, it's just on my mind whenever I talk to to uh, people in your field. What's some of the weirdest requests you've got from over your years? Because you're talking like you know you're getting stuff eight months out for a guest list spot, or yeah, you know mm-hmm. uh, I want to propose to my girlfriend or whatever. But yes. like, what are some of the weirdest ones you've gotten that you've had to look kind of like step oh. back for a second? It, it, does that anything pop out in your mind? Gotta think, because it's a weird. I mean, you're getting emails every day for all yeah, sorts of always. Weird yeah, there's a lot. Like nothing too crazy, but like 
I mean, one really heartwarming one was there was a guy who was an Atreyu fan and he sent me a video that he made because he had like a transplant, an organ transplant and the Atreyu song Warrior really got him through it. So I sent it to the manager in the band. I said, hey, like, look at this. And we sent him a package and he was like, just so happy mm-hmm. that it was acknowledged and that the band, you know, hooked him up. And and it was like the least that they could do if their music, you know, helped him get through the probably one of the hardest things he's ever going to have to do in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing... I feel like something's sticking out. Like somebody might have asked me if somebody could punch him in the face or something like, you know, <laughs> something really weird like that. I think it might've been Slipknot related years ago, but nothing to, it's usually a lot of marriage proposals. Mm-hmm. It's usually like, you know, a lot, or can you get somebody to give my significant other a shout out? Um, you know, we get a lot of military requests and those guys, you know, you thank them for their service and um, try to help them out where, where you can, you know, um, I'll get weird ones. Like there's this one guy I blocked him because he constantly emails me asking me. He always says it's his birthday. So uh, it's whatever show he wants to go to. So his birthday is like eight times a year, it looks like. Uh, But he'll just constantly say, he'll tell me that he needs special access uh, and that it's his birthday and I should just hook him up because he was born. And I'm like, okay, sure. No problem. Uh, Like I just blocked him because it's every show he wants to go to. He says it's his birthday. Like, I don't remember that I got an email from him. It it stands out. I had one guy say to me, Hey, you know, I, my best friend, you know, he's in another city for me. He's always been there for me. He's freaking amazing. I love him to death. And this was a media person. I really want to thank him for his friendship by getting him tickets to a show. Do you think you could put him on the guest list with it, with all access? I'm like, so you want me to express your <laughs> gratitude by giving you free tickets. I was like, listen, tickets aren't free. They come out of a budget. They either come out of the press holds. They come out of the venue holds. They come out of the band hold. The band can be contracted to provide XXX amount of tickets for press or a label does a ticket buy. So it's really technically not free because you're pulling them out of holds. So if a show is selling out, you're taking tickets away from fans that way. But I'm like, if you want to, Show your appreciation to your friend for being a good friend. Ticketmaster or StubHub is a real great place to get them tickets. To me, that was like trying to take advantage of like, you know, a media relationship. And, I, and it was like somebody who like was barely a media outlet. You know what I mean? It was like I post photos so that I can try to get free tickets. And like, you know, if somebody's up and coming and wants to showcase their photography and uh, and wants to shoot a show, we'll do what we can if the band allows, you know, freelance assignments. But it's like when people do shit like that, you're just like, did you really just ask me that? Like, really? Um, and I feel like and I try to even be nice, even when it's like a dick move like that, because I just think like maybe they don't know any better. Yeah. School them once. And if it happens again. Exactly. That's what my friend says. He's like, you give him one response and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I need to start being more like that. What happens when when uh, it's kind of a two part thing, a thing on my mind here? Because you, you're responsible as a as a publicist for you know protecting the image of a band or protecting Always. you know like looking out for them how much how, how far and how do you look out for things that are coming trends that are coming things that are you know like how much of your time is spent on that trying to see the next the next thing or the next move to get ahead of something uh to be on point or do you actually just take it as it comes because you know um I mean, the world's always changing, but there's all these things mm-hmm. that are coming to play, you know, as bands started getting canceled, bands started getting, um, yeah. I mean, it kind of just happened and then landslide, you know, um, yeah. something like that, even for example, 
seeing that coming ahead of the curve or ahead of the uh, trends, a horrible word to use for that specific um, mm -hmm. movement, but you know, seeing what's coming down, like, okay, this is affecting this band. How many others are, you know, like it's kind of a diluted question, but how, how much of your time is spent looking forward societally or sociologically versus just taking what's coming at you? A lot of times you have to just in the shop think on your feet because mm -hmm. you don't expect these things to happen. Oh, this guy who you know in a band is getting accused of something and you're like, wow, he's a great dude. I hope this isn't true. You know, you'd like to believe or hope that people that you that you work with good people, you know, where mm -hmm. people can fuck up, you know, that happens. Um, and there have been times where we've kind of had to navigate that stuff and you have to kind of just really look through it through like a really unjaundiced eye. You have to be like, um, I have to look at this professionally. Um, and you know, that, that this person, you know, at least deserves somebody looking out for them, protecting them and, and at least getting the word out or their statement or whatever. Um, you know, a lot of times, like I really do take it as it comes. Um, I, I do tell bands we, when we approach a project, we, I always tell bands, remember what, what you're saying is on record. So make sure that you're okay with it. Two months, five months, five years from now. But also when we approach a project, I just, I always go with the band or the manager and we discuss it internally with the team and we say, what are your temples? Like, what's that one pie in the sky? Look, and please don't say late night TV. Cause that's super hard to get. Um, but give me a pie in the sky thing. Like give us one, like you hope at the end of your campaign. And I don't mean when the record comes out, I mean like eight months from now, like day, day 365 of the campaign. What's the one thing that the temple that you want to try, try to get? Is it a New York Times piece? Is it, it could be a nylon piece? Something like, hey, I just want to be on peer pleasure. It could be really anything. Because, you know, just what's that one temple? Oh, you're from Philly. You want to be in the Philly Inquirer or Philly, Philly Weekly or Los Angeles Times. And we said, what's that one temple that you really want? And we're going to go after that, but we're going to surround you with a bunch of things building up to that. And we get to know the band. What's your other interests? Do you have family? Do you, you know, are you a parent? Do you want to do a piece about being a tattooed dad? Stuff like that. We really try to pick and choose things that show the, the band's interest and try to really highlight other things about them besides the music. But when there's things that happen, you know, like reputationally and, you know, when that stuff happens, we've been through quite a few of those. You know, we, I was working decapitated when they were accused of gang raping. Oh, yeah. The kidnapping and, or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, and, uh, that was really difficult. And when Paul Gray from Slipknot died, mm. I, that was me talking to every person that was calling, asking, is this true? And I remember texting Dave Rath in the other office at Roadrunner being like, is this true? And he was like, yes. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, you know, when Kyle from We Came As Romans passed away, you know, his father was like, you know, reached out to me and said, please, you know, just make sure that they're not saying horrible things, but my son. And to me, I was like, it's, I spent that whole Saturday and Sunday after that happened doing everything I could to make sure that that, you know, a man just lost his child. That's the only thing that matters, you know? Yeah. So please get your facts right. You know, like to me, that was the only human thing you could, I could do was to make sure that a father, a grieving man who just lost his 27 year old son was, was, was super served, you know? And it was, like I said, it was, it was on a Saturday and Sunday and I was technically off cycle with the man, but I wasn't going to not, you know, take care of that. You know, that's, more important than anything um but when that happens you know it's never it's always hard it gets harder every time uh because then a lot of times you'll see media outlets that cover it because you know those stories people want to know what happened and it can be hard but and with, on the accusation side of things like i said you it's 
you know, you have to always remember the survivors always. Um, and you also have to like, remember that the media is not the, the court, the, the judge and jury it can't be like, so there are times when I have one artist who could be a little controversial and people get it wrong all the time. What, what his past was. And I make it a mission to correct that. No, he never shot anybody. He went to jail for a violation of probation. Please don't print that he did something he didn't do because this is information that you could look up online and at at a confirmed source. You know what I mean? Like, and it really irritates me when people say that about him because that's not true and it's never been true. And it's like, that just makes me want, like want to work harder to make sure that his perception and reputation is protected. And yeah, he's not perfect. You know, nobody is, but like, please don't say something about that's not accurate. Cause then that stuff lives online forever. And I have to spend a lot of time getting people to correct it. So, but I also just say like fact check, like, you know what I mean? Get it right. And don't smear somebody um, on things that aren't factually correct. So, you know, like I said, it's really hard because, you know, for so long, you know, being a female myself, we have to deal with a lot of unique things that other people don't. And, you know, I, I hate to hear those stories because, you know, uh, of, of the lack of respect for women, you know, because it's, a, we have to fight just that much harder. So, but I also always want to, I believe in always being fair too. So it's a hard, it's a hard line to toe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I always tell bands, just like, keep your nose clean, you know, be a good person. And like, just remember what you say, like, it's going to live on. So. Yeah. I'm like it, you know, I'm glad you take so much stock in that where, where, you know, tell us what, what you would like to get out of this situation. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. sense because then you can take it to your team as well and say, well, this yeah. is what these guys like. Like, this is what this, you know, here's the, here's the pie in the sky. They all yeah. match to one, one thing, like one interest. It gives you the upper hand as well. Yeah, it's like I'm giving people a story too. I'm like, hey, you like this? Well, here, this artist does this. You know, Rachel's really good at that when she comes up with angles. She's like, oh, well, this makes total sense. And here's why. Mm-hmm. You know, she does a lot of the homework for them. It's like she's like gift wrapping it. And a lot of times it really does work. Um, you know, but we're lucky. We get to work with uh, so many of our media partners are so great. You know, like that's mm-hmm. why I like meeting up with people when I go to their city. You know, I love, I love partnering with a writer, editor to tell a story. Like, I think Avatar is a band we work with who are just so crazy and interesting and unique. And it's like, Every time somebody grabs onto them, it makes me happy because, you know, they're really ballsy, you know, and, and, and the rest, more of the world needs to know about them. And that's what our job is. And I want to find those media partners who want to be the ones championing the band. Yeah. You got such a big part in a band's growth. It's, it's gotta be really rewarding. I mean, it is, it's so rewarding. You know, it's like you, we get it when it's a little sapling and then it grows to the big mighty oak, if that's the right words. But um, you know, that's, I don't want to do anything else, you know, and it's, yeah. I want to see these bands succeed. And I know that even if I don't personally love something, I know that there's somebody out there. What can I connect that this band is doing with somebody out in that world, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's bands that absolutely love their music and I want everybody else to love them. And I want to help tell their story in it, you know, and with a band like Killswitch, which I've been telling their story for 20, over 20 years, wow, world, um, or Hey Breed, you know, it's like, I, I, I want to find new ways to keep them interested in talking about their story because it's, you know, like at one point I feel like Corey Taylor had done every possible thing he could do. So how do we keep making this interesting for him? Okay. Let's get him some comic book press and stuff like that. It's like, let's keep the artists engaged and love what they're doing. Cause then when they're like loving doing interviews, you're like, Oh, Hey, here's this interview that you might've done four or five times with an outlet. Let's do it again. And they're like, Oh yeah, man, I'm loving doing press. So, mm-hmm. you know, just keeping every, it's just being creative. It's a really, cre- you have to get really creative with 
you know, getting artists to press because it, press is a grind. Doing interviews can be a grind. Like, you know, you don't want to say the same thing all the time. Sometimes you have people who don't ask really good questions or people who are new and they're learning and, and, and that's great too, but press can be a grind, you know, and sometimes they might get anxious about talking about themselves. They overthink things or they think they want to say something better that they didn't say. So it's definitely a grind and you just have to, you know, be really good at navigating that and making sure you put the artist in front of somebody. I've had people show up high to interviews and the bands are not happy about it. Um, you know, or you've had somebody show up with like, you know, to take some photos with an iPhone camera. I'm like, well, I would, when somebody has to shoot a band and to do portraits, I'm expecting they're going to show up with a professional camera. Mm-hmm. And when they don't, then I'm like, well, okay, I have to hear about it, but I get why. But it's also like, man, now I really have to check that stuff, but it's gotten that, it's gotten to that point, yeah. you know, where you have to make sure, hey, are you showing up with a camera? Are you going to do this? Do you have a cameraman? Mm-hmm. And when that stuff used to be kind of like, um, goes without saying. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Oh, nothing. Nothing is a given. Were you working with Slipknot when Corey did the uh, that? I think it's Vice, the therapist. It's like on YouTube. It's a show. That's, that's after me. It was after you. OK, because that was that was gut wrenching. He's like, done. You know, I, I I set him up when he did um, the New York Inc. When he got a tattoo on New York Inc. Mm-hmm. New York Inc. That was one that was really awesome. Um, that was, no, I, that was I'm pretty sure that was after me. Man, have you seen it? No, I have not. Oh my God. He was talking about waking up in a trash can, a dumpster when he OD'd. His friends just took him mm-hmm. and threw him in a dumpster instead mm-hmm. of helping. Yeah. Yeah. I it, remember. It's uh, brutal. Uh, but that guy, that guy, uh, I forget his name. He's got like three names, but he's a interview. Con- like he is, he gets things and gets to places so fast. I'm sure it's edited. But mm-hmm. he had he had like Damian Abraham from Fucked Up and the the mm-hmm. uh, Turned Out a Punk podcast on, same thing went down a rabbit hole. I was just like, whoa! Yeah, sometimes you get people talking, man. And you're like, wow! It's brutal. It's brutal. yeah, truly. Well, what's next for what's next for Adam Splitter then? Like, what what do you got going on the rest of the? I know the industry kind of shuts down in December yeah, a little bit, but we'll wrap it up a little bit. There's December tours, but we mm-hmm. have um a lot of good stuff coming up in 2023 we have the new in flames record which will be out in february sure. we have the avatar record which will be out in february um we have um i'm trying to think what else is so much stuff I, i'm gonna look at my i'm looking at my screen so that i oh we have the new august burns red which we just announced that'll be coming out in march but other bands like uh, that we work that we're working with that are awesome loathe is an amazing band oh i think they're yes. the world next year they're so good uh, Dying Wish, Emma is a freaking icon already. She's just a strong, beautiful, amazing, talented woman. Um, trying to think, uh, you know, we, we, you know, I Prevail and Pierce the Veil are doing amazing things. They're pretty reckless. Um, we got a lot of stuff. Vacacia Strange just announced an awesome tour with for an autopsy. So there's a lot of good shit happening. A Day to Remember is doing this cool theater tour. Ronnie from Falling in Reverse is always going to keep me guessing. He's, I mean, he has just reinvented himself so many times and I just, yeah sit on the sidelines and I, I just look at his brilliance because he, he's really clawed his way back mm-hmm. and, you know, has, has had just so many renaissances in his career, you know, and, and I love being a part of that. And Parkway drive is touring again. Thank God. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see them. It's been far too long. So we got a lot of stuff coming. Yeah. A lot of great, we have a lot of amazing, amazing bands. I re- I get requests for the pre-reckless on here all the time. No, no. Let me work on that. Set that up. Uh, <laughs> and Emma, uh boster and i have been communicating over text she lives in portland here so 
Oh, yeah. When she's done touring, we're going to do an episode. Uh, she's just been on a great, as you know, an insane tour cycle. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. They were Devil Wears Prada and yeah. then now Hate Limp Bizkit, Oh, yeah. Like yeah. It's been great. Yeah. They're amazing. They're so, so good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Taylor, let's just, we'll talk. We'll, you know, we'll work on that. You know, cool. she's amazing. She, um, you know, just, she, Traded in, you know, an acting career for rock and roll, and she has never looked back. She mm-hmm. loves what she's doing. Um, you know, we worked with Hellstorm for a little bit. Lizzie, it's just that it's that is a hundred percent genuine. Um, I root for her every minute because she she lives it. She's a hundred percent real, and that's that's why people connect with that band too. And uh, and it's great to see such strong women, you know, fronting these bands. Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, speaking of being real, I mean, you were one of the realest in this business oh, and blush, I, blush. I am i am blessed to know you and 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 oh, call you so a kind. friend and i really appreciate you know uh your friendship and but also you know all the the help over the years and and just being a cool person and giving people a shot you know when i started this thing it was nothing and you're like yeah we can, we'll make that happen really okay Sometimes you just know, like there's like some people, they come and go, but I'm always trying to give people a chance where I can, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes it might take a minute, but we'll get there. And like I said, if somebody's cool and just respectful and awesome and just great to talk with, like we'll go out of our way for them. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you just know when somebody's going to do something awesome and, and, and you just get, you know, it's, it, you connect with them and you just have a great, you know, great relationship like this comes out of it. Yeah. So I, I, I love it, man. I, and so I, I, Wish you all the best of luck the rest of the year, and, and of course, in the next year, we'll we'll be working together a lot, I'm sure. But uh, thank you for uh, coming on the show, and and oh, my thanks for having me. I love doing that. I do, I do a lot. I, a lot of people are like, hey, do you want to be on? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. So That's I awesome. love doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, yeah. let me get back to your evening. Thank you for and, having uh, me. Yeah, anytime. We'll talk soon, Amy. All right, I'll talk to you all soon. Right. Have a good night. Bye. All right. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Amy Ciaretto from Adam Splitter PR a good friend of mine for many years now through the podcast. I am just stoked to bring this one to you. I uh, hope you guys learned a lot, uh, learned about her story, learned about what she does, and just the drive it takes to be in a 24-7 or business like PR, um, to love the bands you're working with, love the people you're working with, love the the medium of music, um, and to to go through some of the trials they go through. It's, it's pretty incredible. You know, we hit them up all the time, day and night, weekends holidays uh and some people are really pushy um and i think we talked a little bit about that um but you just got to appreciate the people you work with and and uh you know have some grace with people and and especially with pr folks because they are literally a phone at the ready all the time because things go down all the time um and i I cheers to them for doing that um and for what they do they're very important and and uh i just am so stoked to know so many of them that that uh, are just great people and just love what they do because that's the only way you'll be successful uh, in this business is loving what you do because it will chew you up and spit you out and you got to get back up and get back on and man i'm rambling but uh anyways cheers to amy for coming on check out her band go to adam splitter pr and check out the band she represents if you have a podcast hit them up um try to get some guests on your show um just be respectful and 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 respectful of their time uh, and who they are, and and uh, you'll get very far in this business. Just be a good person. So, uh, guys, I got a ton to do. We got a bunch more episodes coming out, and uh, I'm just stoked to uh, be back at this thing in the new year and bring you guys some great stuff. So, as always, we'll see you on the radio.
What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.